Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is September 30th, 2020, and the title of our sermon is National Disaster. Oh, yeah. National Disaster. Let's hop right into Scripture, and let's turn to Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. Titus 1, 9. Come on, say National Disaster when you get there. All right, that's like five of you. Come on now. Y'all got to wake up. Hey, if we can go to Dallas and back, y'all can, uh, y'all can get there. I promise. We're going we're gonna to do this together tonight. Amen? Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. This particular passage is speaking about elders. Come on now. Elders who are able to hold firmly to the trustworthy message just as it has been taught. Somebody say, thank God for our elders. Thank God for our elders. Man, some elders who understand the trustworthiness of the message of the gospel. And they don't only hold on to it, but they hold on to it as it has been taught. What an incredibly encouraging thought. You know, it kind of made me think about this. uh, Elders here in this church that are beyond belief good. That give us such incredible insight and encouragement. It made me think about the elders in our country. I happened to see two of the elders in our country on TV last night. Oh, tell us. Not only the elders, but some might even call them just elderly. But there was a a Republican candidate, Mm -hmm. our current president, who was firm in his dealings. He was was aggressive. He was opinionated. But the president himself was not very steady. Somebody say firm. Firm. But not steady. But not steady. See, he has no idea. You have no idea how good your elders are, who are both firm and steady. But last night I saw a man who was very firm, but not very steady. He wasn't disciplined enough to wait two minutes until his time was actually back on before he interrupted someone. He was constantly speaking over someone else. He was interrupting both his adversary and... The moderator, who even said, you're not debating me, Mr. President. See, I don't know who you thought was the winner or the loser. I can tell you who I thought the loser of this debate was. It was Chris Wallace, the moderator. Huge, huge. As a matter of fact, Chris Wallace was treated as bad as uh, William Wallace back in the 1400s, (laughs) truthfully. Oh, yeah, he was. See, the president was firm, but not steady. Firm, but not steady. See, in unsteady times like we're in, we need men who are like our elders, who are both firm and steady in everything that we do and everything that they do. See, in unsteady times, we need men who are absolutely steady. Church, do we need men who are steady? Times call for it. We have Elder Charlie, Elder Baj, Elder John. Oh, man, there's no elders like LCM elders. Steady, rock-solid men. They hold firm to the truths of the faith. They know how to encourage with some sound doctrine. They know how to refute those who oppose it. We have some very steady and firm elders in this church. When you guys spend time around the elders, 
Isn't there a calming effect whenever you hang around them? I mean, you walk in, you're full of chaos. You sit down next to them and just... It soothes my soul. Shalom just washes right over you. Well, there are some things that uh, I can't help but reflect on last night's uh, TV broadcast of the debate. That uh, Mr. Biden, he was steady. He was uh, at times even sleepy. Sleepy Joe Biden. He didn't vacillate. But it was clear he wasn't firm. I mean, he got run over by a freight train, then backed over again and then forward. Oh, man, it's like trying to kill, you know, a snake on the side of the road, just over and over again and go run over. There was nothing calming about this debate at all. It was like watching the presidential Jerry Springer show. (laughs) Throwing sticks and stones on the playground. You know, watching these two guys literally act like children on national TV on a presidential debate. You know what was was easy to determine? That neither Mr. Biden or Trump were both steady and firm. Either had one or the other. See, what's clear is that these are unsteady times that we're standing in. That what we viewed last night was unprecedented in its amount of chaos. And what this calls for, these unsteady times, is that we need some steady men to fill these unsteady times. Look, in the Word, there are many examples of steady elders who held firmly to the faith. So everyone turn to Exodus chapter 17. Come on, say national disaster when you get to Exodus 17. National disaster! When you get to Exodus 17, find verse 11 and begin to read with me there. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. See, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Church, what you're seeing here is Moses as a national leader, as a national elder, who is both firm and steady in what he does. See, this man was a leader of a newly formed, newly freed nation of people. And it was this newly birthed nation that was now at war. Man, what is that like? As a new nation going forward, they've been birthed through the Red Sea. They've come out of Egypt. The Lord has shown up, and now it's time to go to war. Man, What Israel needed was a man like Moses to be able to lead them. A man who was firmly seated on God's word. Who had the rock of God's word. As an elder of God's people. Seated on the word of God. Amen. Moses had steady hands that were lifted to the Lord. Those steady hands were enough to help his people become victorious when those steady hands reached up to the heavens. It was his firm and steady approach to leadership that brought success for the people of God during a national disaster. Somebody say national disaster. disaster. Church, did you hear that? It was his firm and steady approach to leadership that brought success for the people of God during a national disaster. In fact, verse 12, let's look at that again. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. See, Moses was a, a phenomenal leader in and of himself. He had hands that steadily held up the standard of God. 
But there came a point in the middle of battle that his hands grew tired. So what was the solution? His brothers came up next to him and they put a stone underneath him. And then they began to hold up his arms. Look, there's a sign right here to my left. I need my brothers and my brothers need me. Oh, there are those times when leaders need the help of other leaders to come beside them. To take the word of God that is a stone and put it underneath them. To give them a rock solid place to be seated. So they continue to hold up the standard that God has put in their hands. The battle depends upon it. Joshua and the men, their very lives depended upon it. And then in addition to that, Moses wasn't doing this in solo fashion. He had his brothers on his right and left holding up his arms. This was Samed team fighting. See, every time leader is mentioned in the word, it is plural. There's an S on the end. It's leaders. So it's not just what Moses accomplished. It's what Moses, Aaron, her, and Joshua accomplished all together. In that unification, they were able to be steady and firm. As a leader, I find that whenever you guys give me a stone, whenever a pastor gives me a stone, an elder gives me a stone, that's a place that steadies my walk. It steadies the standard that's inside of my hand. Whenever uh, one of the elders or pastors gives me that, that ability to cling to God's word and help support it, that is a refreshment while I'm in the fight. Oh, I'm still gleaning on words that elders and pastors have poured into my life. They're on three by five index cards. They're throughout my one note. But more importantly, they're in the depths of my soul. Amen. And they are making me steady and firm even today. And I know they will for the rest of my life. Moses is an elder who was steady in unsteady times. Yeah. Now, that's a good word, church. To have elders who can strengthen in this kind of way. Now, as we're talking about men who are steady, leaders and elders who are steady in an unsteady time, it actually immediately makes me think about Hezekiah. Turn with us to 2 Kings chapter 19 so we can look at another senior leader, a senior elder Mm -hmm. in the nation of Israel. Hezekiah is seen in 2 Kings 19 and verse 14. Say national disaster when you get there. Getting there, huh? National disaster. I'm still hearing pages turn. All right. Second Kings 19 and verse 14, it says this. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Yeah, he did. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. Man, it sounds like he was praying his way through the temple. He was praying his way through the tabernacle. It was almost like he had been in a worship service just like we were in. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. Mm. Now Moses, as an elder over the nation of Israel, was going into war. Here, Hezekiah is also at war, but think about what's at stake for Hezekiah in this moment. Hezekiah is in a war that is trying to exterminate the entire people group. Yeah. He is trying, there is an adversary there that is trying to kill his future. Listen to me. 
There's an enemy there that's trying to kill his future. Trying to destroy the very family of God. Can you imagine for a second? Let's not pretend like you've heard Hezekiah's story many, many times. Put yourself in Hezekiah's place just for a moment. Can you imagine the pressure that Hezekiah was under? The pressure that was there. That his very kingdom, his people, his very family is at risk. And everybody's eyes are on him to give him an answer. Yep. Wow. Sounds exactly like what our elders go through often. We're looking to them. We're looking to this elder. The entire nation was looking to a singular man, the king, Hezekiah, to say, our future depends on what you are going to decide in this moment. Anybody just tense up just thinking about the pressure that's on you? See, this is the type of elder that we can all look to in the time of a national disaster. Kind that's like our elders here. See, Hezekiah was firm in his conviction to spread out before the Lord the issue. To actually yeah. take it, not try to, not try to be fearful, not try to make something happen, but he took it and he spread it out before the Lord because he was firm in his convictions about this. He is steady in his resolve to only do what God tells him to do. Yeah. Isn't that what the Lord is trying to teach us here to go before him? This is Hezekiah, the elder of Israel, that's saying, I am firm in my conviction to take this before the Lord. I am steady and I will not do anything until the Lord actually answers and gives me exactly what we must do. This is not the kind of situation that you can make a mistake on. (laughs) Isn't that true about our decisions? Man, there are some decisions that really, really matter. And that's what we're learning here. This in Hezekiah is an elder who is steady in the most unsteady of times. Mm. You know, Hezekiah is standing in the midst of a national disaster, facing the extermination of the people, his family, and their future, under great amount of pressure. He spreads it out before the Lord, and then receives instruction to get word from Isaiah, the prophet. Look in verse 29 of 2 Kings 19. Let's read what Isaiah wrote back to him after Hezekiah was standing before the Lord. This will be the sign for you, O Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself. In the second year, what springs from that? But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat the fruit. Once more, a remnant of the house of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. See, Isaiah's word is speaking to the future. It is speaking to the family in the midst of pressure and extermination. But you know what? Steady and firm leaders, they don't do this on their own. It took Isaiah joining with Hezekiah to have that steady and firm planting of their feet in what God had promised for their family, for their future. But you know what? Each one of these guys, Hezekiah and Isaiah, they had their own role. And each one was vital. Hezekiah was vital to lead the nation of Israel in his role as a king. Isaiah was vital... In the way that he partnered, I'm sorry, Isaiah was vital in that the king and the nation needed a prophetic voice. Do you see those two working together, the king and the prophet? They both were vital individually to the nation and 
to each other. See, Hezekiah partnered with a prophet. And that brought a firming to his convictions. Man, Isaiah was yoked with a saint that steadied his actions. Together they were able to avert a national disaster. They needed each other. I need my brothers and they need me. They need each other in order to remain firm and steady in unsteady times. The idea that a national disaster was averted because these men had the firmness in their convictions, had the steadiness in their resolve to do exactly what the Lord laid before them. It reminds me of another. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 10. Say national disaster when you get there. National disaster. National disaster. (laughs) So you're like, strange. National disaster. Look at verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Delaiah, the son of Mehatabel, who was shut up in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let's close the doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're going to come to kill you. You know, when it's more scary, they're going to come when it's dark outside. Nighttime. Verse 11. But I said, should a man like me run away? (laughs) Should a man like me run away? Man. Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? You think I'm going to run away? You think I'm going to run into a a safe place? That's not who I am. I will not go, he says in verse 11. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Mm. He had been hired to intimidate me. Wow. So that I would not commit a sin by doing this. I'm sorry, so that I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Wow, church, what we're seeing here is another national elder, another national elder of Israel who is succeeding and leading through another national disaster. He's coming out of this, but he is here. He is only opposed. He's opposed by men who are trying to pollute him and his entire work effort. They're entire trying to pollute his workplace. Nehemiah was a serious elder who had time and time again showed the steadiness of resolve, the firm and deep convictions to continue the work that God had set before him in spite of the onslaught of circumstances, the onslaught of the taunting. Remember some of those taunts? You guys are trying to rebuild a wall. I'm sure that if a fox climbed up on top of that wall, that wall would collapse. Taunting. Anybody ever been taunted? Yeah, 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 then we understand what's going on here. Plots to discourage him. In just a few verses before what we read is when they were trying to discourage him so that the work would stop. And that's when he was praying, Lord, strengthen my hands. Yeah. They were trying to have an onslaught of circumstances like deception of the enemies like here. Saying, why don't you run to a place of solace? Why don't you run from what you're doing? And Nehemiah understood because he was an elder who was both firm and steady in his understanding of what the Lord was telling him to do. He did not let someone oppose the work that God had for him. He was firm to complete what was started and steady in progress regardless of the opposition. Come on, man. That's a good word. I'm going to say it again for you. Yeah. 
He was firm to complete what he started. And he was steady in progress regardless of the opposition. Man, that is a serious kind of elder. That is an amazing national elder that we see here. See, Nehemiah was a man who was firm and steady in a very unsteady time. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. When we look at Nehemiah, we see his actions that demonstrate him being a firm and steady man in unsteady times. But you know, what about the other side? Because it mentioned, mentioned another team. Team Tobiah and Samballot. So where was Nehemiah's Isaiah? Where was his team existing at? Oh, he had somebody helping him. A guy by the name of Ezra. In fact, Nehemiah 8-9 says Ezra and Nehemiah. But wait, there's more. Ezra, Nehemiah, and the Levites. In the midst of this adversity, Nehemiah had the advantage in every single way. He had on one side Ezra and the other side he had the Levites. See, Nehemiah partnered with Ezra, a pastor who would remind him of the worth of what he started so that he could remain steady and firm and see that work completed. It also included on Nehemiah's team, the Levites. These saints of God that made steady the progress in his actions. Both were required for Nehemiah to stay on course, to be steady and firm with what God told him to do. Come on, man, when you when you have godly friends... Like Nehemiah did, you can have the same discernment as Nehemiah did. You can uh, be steady in unsteady times. Come on now. Being able to be steady in unsteady times. I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but we're in some unsteady times. Yeah. We're in some times that you can't imagine. I couldn't have imagined a few months ago that we would be sitting in the kind of national disaster that we're sitting in. Right. But as we're discussing Elders who understand, who are firm and steady in their walk with the Lord and can lead. These men who understand so clearly and they're able to do what God tells them to do. And they always seem to be doing it in a team. They always seem to be advantaged. See, when you are by yourself and you have the Lord, you're not at a disadvantage. You're already at an advantage because the Holy Spirit is with you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Even if you are by yourself, you're not at a disadvantage. Can you imagine how advantaged you are when you have a team of elders like the men that we've been talking about there? Come on, man. That's incredible, church. We're going to talk about another national elder, another national leader. Man, Moses, one of the most incredible leaders of all time. Hezekiah saved an entire people group. I think that's pretty important. That's pretty boss. Nehemiah, Marked as one of the finest leaders that this world has ever seen. But there's one that's even better. Somebody says it gets, somebody say it with me. It gets better. It gets better. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to look at verse 36 together. Say national disaster when you get there. There we go. There we go. Come on now. It says this, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place place called Gethsemane, where there was much weeping and wailing. Depressing. 
Thank you, Rosales family, for the live, timely sermon illustration. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Exactly that. Verse 37. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. An elder taking others with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. To the point of death. Stay here. And keep watch with me. Going a little further. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father. If it's possible. Can you have this cup? May this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will. But as you will. Come on now. The ultimate and steady and firm leadership. A national elder. A national leader in Jesus Christ. He is there and he's kneeling by a rock to pray. He falls down by a rock to pray, much like what Moses did. Jesus had men with him who were there to help him, who were supposed to be there to help him be seated on a rock and hold his hands up. Jesus, he had partnered with people that he brought to the garden of Gethsemane with him, much like what Hezekiah did. They were there to help firm his convictions and steady his actions. Where he was sorrowful enough even to the point of death. Even as he was spreading out his issue before the Lord. Lord, may this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. He faced more opposition than Nehemiah could have ever dreamed about. Determined to be firm, to complete what Jesus had started and progress towards finishing his work. Regardless of the opposition that was before him. Jesus had with him Peter and James and John during these moments of overwhelming sorrow, during these most difficult moments that a human has had to experience, during these disaster times that he was with, and he had some friends who were there who were supposed to be supporting him, who were supposed to be helping him, who were supposed to be calling and encouraging him. But where were Peter, James, and John at the moment that Jesus needed them most? They were asleep. During a time of national, historic disaster, they were asleep. They were not steady, nor were they firm in their leadership, in their eldership towards Him. Church, Have you been asleep to an astounding truth this entire time? See, we're not just talking about elders tonight. We're not just talking about a national disaster of a debate that we saw last night. Not talking about your pastors. Certainly not talking about the two elderly men that I just referenced on TV last night. We're talking about you. We're talking about you in exactly what must be done in your own lives. Church, did you hear what Pastor Wade said? Oh, we are talking about you. Come on, it, it's time to wake up. It's time to hear and see what the Lord is speaking to us. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Wake up. It's time to wake up and 
Let's smell what the Lord is brewing for us. In these uncertain times, unsteady times, we must be steady. What must we be, church? Steady. In our case, it's not a national disaster that we are most worried about. It is a supernatural disaster that we're worried about. Church, the truth is, is as we begin to go over these leaders that we're just speaking to you about, See, it's one thing when you talk about a group of elders because our elders are exceptional. Yeah. But it's easy to put them in a different class than what you expect of yourself. We expect our elders to be firm and steady. We expect them to be able to hear from the Lord. But as we go back over this, I want everyone to turn with me to Jude, the book of Jude, and we're going to look at verse 3. And I'm going to remind you of what we just talking about, about Moses Mm -hmm. as a national leader who was at war. You are also at war. Look at Jude and verse 3. It says this, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write to you and urged you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Do you realize that this gospel, this faith that you are supposed to contend for was once for all entrusted to God's people? It was entrusted to the saints, not only the elders, but this faith that was entrusted to us has been contended, I'm sorry, it's been entrusted to you. It's yeah. been entrusted to me. There you go. See, that's one thing to look at Moses and saying, yes, it was entrusted to him. He was going at war. He was going to war. So are you. And you have to contend. You have to fight for the faith. You have to fight for this that was entrusted to you. You can't just be passive about what God is trying to do. Something has been entrusted to you. Amen. Do you understand what the word entrusted is? It's something special that was given to you that you must guard, that you must advance, that you must work with, that you must work from. See, when you contend for the faith, it will help you avert a supernatural disaster in your own life from the warfare that's going on. You've been entrusted with the source of truth, with the source of life that is supposed to make you firm and make you steady in an unsteady time. My goodness, the Lord is speaking to us as a church. He's saying it over and over again in this recent time. He's saying you must be steady. You must be firm in your faith. We have a slide for you to remind you about what we spoke about for Moses. Remember that Moses, as a national elder, as a national leader, and now we understand is supposed to be our example of what we're supposed to be carrying out. He was firm because he was planted on God's word. He was firm because he was given the rock and he sat and he established himself upon it so that he might be able to be firm and steady at every moment. Moses had to steady. He had to steady his hands. His hands were steady before him and his brothers came alongside of him to hold up his hands in everything that he was doing. Church, you have a personal responsibility tonight. Boy, it's nice when I can put it on Charlie and go, yep, Charlie has to be this. That's true. Yeah, but the problem is, is he already knows that. Or the good thing is, is he already knows that. See, what about you and me tonight? Your responsibility. Somebody say, my responsibility. My responsibility. 
is to firmly plant yourself on God's Word. The Word that you have received. The Word that's been entrusted to you. In the way that it's been entrusted to you. That God has given you something. And it must be the very filter. It must be the very rock that you plant yourself upon. Your responsibility. Somebody say, my responsibility. My responsibility. Is to hold up your hands. Is to have a connection with the heavens that is there. Church, you are advantaged when you have a team, when you have a family like this that's around you, those who are also contending for the faith that was entrusted to the saints, that was entrusted to God's holy people. Man, it's great when you have a team that can help you put the rock under you to firm that position, that right word at the right time. But it is your responsibility to plant yourself there. It is your responsibility to plant yourself on the rock that is God's Word. This is what we need so much here in this place today. We need to be able to firmly plant ourselves there. It is great when you have the friend. It is such an incredible advantage when you have a team. But it's your responsibility to plant yourself there. Amen. That anointed team that can help you hold up your hands when your strength is failing. When you're just getting tired in the battle. But it's your responsibility to raise your hands up to the sky. It is your responsibility to get the strength of the heavens to do this. This is how you become firm and steady in an unsteady time. This is how you do it is you plant yourself just like Moses. You raise your hands just like Moses and you ask for God to send you a team along that can hold your hands up. This is what we must do tonight because we are in unsteady times, but God is determined to make you and to make me into firm and steady men and women who can accomplish the will of God in this house. Amen. Come on, Pastor just shared with you your responsibility and the how you become firm and steady in unsteady times. I want to remind you about Hezekiah. He was a national leader. He was under incredible pressure regarding his future and his family. In light of that, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And let's look at verse 2. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Y'all ready? Acts 13, 2. They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and Saul were yoked together with a prophetic voice. It was that prophetic voice that gave them the ability to be firm and steady in unsteady times. Let's pull up this next slide reflect back on Hezekiah. Hezekiah. He stood firm to spread out the issue before the Lord. Like in the book of Acts. They were worshiping the Lord. They were fasting. They were spreading it out and expecting God to give them an answer. And that led to both Hezekiah and Barnabas and Saul being partnered with prophets. The voice of God began to speak when they spread it out before God. There's an expectation that we're trying to get alive inside of our hearts and souls tonight. That when we are spreading out our issues before the Lord, expect God's voice to speak to you. And that will lead you to being firm and steady in unsteady times. The next thing is, Ezekiah was steady to do only. Everybody say only. Only. Only what 
God says. Can you imagine that word that Barnabas and Saul received there in Acts 13 too? It carried them along through all of the trials and tribulations. It gave them the ability to be firm and steady in unsteady times, no matter where their feet were placed. They were yoked to that prophetic word. In addition, they were yoked with a saint to each other. When they heard their word, I know their souls came alive. Their spirits were connected. And they knew that they were called not just to go do work outside, but to do the work together. God was establishing a unity between them based on a prophetic word so they both together could be firm and steady in unsteady times. Church, don't lose what Pastor Matt just said. Don't lose what he just said. Do you understand the pressure that was on Hezekiah? The pressure that he had to make a decision and it seemed that he had to make it now. This is a solution when that pressure, uh, I've got to just do something. This is what you must do. I, I, I feel the pressure to make a decision. I feel the financial pressure in my family. I feel the pressure about the future. I don't know what I'm supposed to do 20 years from now. That pressure is designed to make you make a mistake because you don't just go and spread out your issue before the Lord. I've got to hurry. I've got to do something. No, you don't. Stand firm and spread out your issue before the Lord. Yeah. Do not let the pressure of this day or the next day or the last day cause you to do something that will get you outside of God's plan, outside of God's will. That's going to bring about a supernatural disaster in your life. Yeah. We've got the solution for you tonight. Yeah, we do. The pressure that you feel. Anybody know what kind of pressure I'm talking about? I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do something. No, you need to learn how to be with the Lord. You need to learn how to lay and, and spread out your issues before the Lord. God will send you some prophets. God will send you his word that will speak loud and clearly to you. You cannot afford to move forward before you spread out your actual issues and pressures to the Lord. You can't afford to do that. Yeah. And you have to be in partnership. When we take the responsibility of the items that we see on this list, God will fulfill his responsibilities. Amen. He's faithful to his word. He's firm and steadfast. When we put these items into practice, it will make you immovable. You won't be shaken. Remember that word that was aimed at Hezekiah from Tobiah and Sanballat? It was meant to intimidate them. And when Hezekiah stood his ground, God partnered him with a prophetic voice. And together they stood against that intimidation and it proved to be hollow and empty. It proved to be the very source by which God's power was manifest. And salvation came to these two men and to the entire nation of Israel, preserving their future and preserving their family. Come on, let's turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And let's start in verse 6. It says this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching that you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. 
Hey, look up at me, church. Men of God are never idle. That's right. They have no idols and they don't allow themselves to be idle because they are busy about completing God's work. Amen. You have to be firm and steady in the pursuit to do God's will, to do the will of the Lord and to complete his work because you're following the example that's set before you. Here's a slide that reminds us of what Nehemiah taught us tonight. That Nehemiah was firm to complete what God started. Yeah. He accomplished more in just a few days than many people had in decades before. Because he also, part of that victory was that he had a pastor to help him complete what he started. To remind him of the importance of what he was doing. A man like Ezra who could come in and say, no, you need to remind, you need to be reminded of what God has called you to do. Amen. You can't lose heart in the midst of the work. You can't become idle just because the project takes longer than what you thought it would. See, you need some pastors. You need some elders in your life to be able to speak to you and remind you of the things that God has already told you. To encourage you. To strengthen you to be firm and steady in your commitment. See, Nehemiah was steady in his progress regardless of the opposition that was before him. How you doing tonight on that? He was steady in progress regardless of the opposition. But the great news is he not only had a pastor to help him, he had an entire community. The Levites, a nation of priests, were able to be there to help him progress through whatever opposition came up. Amen. See, Nehemiah was able to be firm to complete what God started because of those pastors that were there who can help remind him of the importance of it. Church, you've been given pastors. You've been given pastors who oftentimes remind you of the work and the words that God has given you to do. You've got to complete your task. Church, you must complete your task. You must complete your task. You must complete what God has given you to do. Because it's too important not to. It's too valuable to miss out on what God is doing. Nehemiah was able to be steady in the progress regardless of the opposition, but because he had the community of God's people there to encourage him. He had elders. He had brothers that were there to help him. Church, you have been given a royal family that can help you progress and make progress through the opposition. Turn with us back to Titus chapter 1. As you turn there, We are giving you the responsibilities and steps of what it takes to complete the work that God gave you. As we read this together, I want you to be encouraged. God is helping us accomplish this. He's given us everything we need to win. Everything we need to be firm and steady. Titus 1.9 He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message. As it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Church, what is plain, Peshat, clear? This passage is speaking directly to elders. Paul is addressing them directly. But I want your eyes to open. I want you to become awake tonight. I want you to see that this is speaking to you. This is the standard of God for you. 
And that God is placing before you the steps of how you can live up to this standard. It is exactly what we must all become. To elevate to that level. That the blood of Jesus and His Spirit inside of us is the very thing that is drawing us to live up to this standard. To be firm and steady in unsteady times. The incredible thing about the word is the standard is also how to get to the standard. Look at this. How? How can I do this? I know this was written to elders and my pastors now are telling me this has to be every man and every woman in this room. How do I do this? You hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught to you. Not your own version of it. Not your own permutation of it. But exactly as it has been taught to you. I want to do something tonight that's kind of unusual. We're going we're gonna to start to close here. I want to do something that's unusual for us in a closing. So I want you to listen to what I'm going to ask you to do. Um, Bosh, Natalie, Charlie, Joe, John, would you mind coming up? I'm going to ask our elders to be over here to my right and to my left. And as soon as they take their position, I want to encourage you John, if you'll come over here, my friend. I'm talking to those of you who currently have families. Those of you who currently have families, not the ones who want to. I believe that God is going to minister to you as well, but I'm speaking specifically to those of you who have currently have families here. Mothers, fathers with your children. If while we were talking about Hezekiah, you realize that some of your decisions are just made from pressure. From fear of what's going on. You feel the pressure to make a decision. And the truth is, is what the Lord is encouraging you to do tonight is to lay that before him. That you might receive something from the Lord on behalf of your family. I'm going to ask our elders here. I'm going to ask them to pray over you. Nick, Judah, um, Justin, would you guys come over here to my left, to your right? Amen, Joy. Good. I'm glad you're here. I want these men to be able to pray for you tonight. Because the Lord can make you firm and steady in a very unsteady world. If you need salvation in this room tonight, I'm going to ask that you come over and have one of these men pray for you. If you need a special touch and infilling of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that these men right here pray for you. Families are going to be to my right. A special, something divine that you need from the heavens. I'm going to ask that these men pray for you over here to my left. Church, we have to become firm and steady in a very unsteady world. Stand to your feet with me. Mighty God, we lift up our lives before you in this moment. Lord, we are asking for you to transform our families. To transform our families, Lord, that they may not be riddled with pressure. Lord, but that we might be 
firm and steady in our approach before you, mighty God. That they might be able to come before you, Lord, and lay out their needs, Lord, and see a divine, prophetic word that comes into their lives. Lord, I pray that families be strengthened tonight. God, I pray that men and women have a special touch tonight of your Holy Spirit that would empower them to be able to change from those who are flip-flopping and moving with every wind, Lord, that they would become firm and steady in your presence, God. Lord, that your presence is what we need. Lord, your very Spirit is what we need. Your Word must be, Lord, the foundation of our lives, God. We're asking that you move upon these people tonight. Lord, as we cry out to you, Lord, move in your people.